All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Everybody doing well this morning? You're alive. You're, you're enjoying the sunshine and the heat and the air, the air conditioning? Yeah? Okay, awesome. I get to introduce to you uh, somebody this morning that I'm excited for you to get to know. Um, some of you know that over the last uh, couple months, we've been having some staff transition. And uh, Amber St. George, who was our, our, our operations administrative uh, director, resigned. And yesterday, we actually just moved her. She's off down in, in Montesano today. And uh, one of the things I love about God is that whenever there's, there's some transition change coming, God, He sees all of that long before it happens. And uh, um, or in the last, over the last several months, uh, as this kind of this need has become known in our church, we, we, that we, need, we need someone who's, who's that operations person. Um, our church can't, can't survive without it. It's just a key, key role in our church. Over, as we've been looking at who, who to bring in, um, Natalia came along and, um, and uh, kind of threw her name in the hat, and uh, I think it was about two weeks ago that she officially said, yeah, I'm going to do this, and so Natalia is our new operations and next generation admin, so can you give her a big CTK Ferndale, awesome, good to have you. So I've, I've gotten to know Natalia just a little bit over the last couple of weeks, and, and I'm excited for you to get to know her too, because she's just a... a a sweet lady, loves Jesus, and just has a, a, a big heart for the church. But I've asked Natalia if she could just take um, several minutes just to give you a bit of a snapshot, um, let you know who she is, how she got here, and just a little bit of her story. So Natalia, why don't you go ahead and uh, take it away. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I came to Washington from the East Coast, like the exact opposite side. I was born and raised in the Boston area, um, and actually my parents and my brother had immigrated from Brazil, and my parents had me a couple of years later. Um, so I was actually born with a heart condition, and when I was born, the doctors told my mom um, that they wanted to wait to have surgery. They wanted to see what my body would repair on its own. Uh, but I got really sick, and so at two and a half months old, I had to have open heart surgery. And the doctors told my parents that um, if I didn't have the surgery, I wasn't going to survive. But if I did, the survival rate was about 50% with um, a child my size. And so I went in, and I had the surgery. And when the doctors were finishing up and closing up, they didn't do it properly. And I actually had a blood clot around my heart which caused a lack of oxygen in my brain, and it damaged and killed a large portion of my brain. So the doctors went back into the waiting room and told my parents to go home and prepare the funeral because I wasn't going to leave the hospital. And so what was cool about that is God used that to reach my mom. She gave her life to the Lord right there in the waiting room of the ICU. And um, she said, God, if you are this personal loving God that I hear you are, I need you to let my daughter live. So the doctors came back and told my mom, hey, she's stable, but at this point, so much damage has been done, we don't know the extent of it. What we do know right now is that she's paralyzed from the waist down. Um, she's not responding to any stimulation. And so my mom continued to follow Jesus, and she started hearing about how God still healed today. It wasn't just something that was in the Bible, and so she started praying fervently for my healing until... God challenged her and said, hey, 
you've been praying for your will for so long. Um, what if you surrender Natalia to me? What if you trusted me to do the best for her? And so my mom prayed kind of her final prayer in that and said, Lord, uh, whether she is completely normal by the world's standards or she's in a wheelchair the rest of her life, I want her to be serving you and loving you and just living everything that she has for you. Um, and so my mom didn't pray for a while. And about a year and a half later, uh, we were on vacation and she decided she wanted to go to church. And so we asked around and she found a church and she went that Sunday. And the pastor actually, um, he wasn't going to be preaching, but he got up before introducing the guest speaker and said, the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night and said that there would be a woman here with a little girl who's paralyzed because of a heart condition. Um, and so my mom had one of those moments where she goes, oh, hey, that's me, but it can't be me. So, um, so she stayed in her seat, but as the service was wrapping up, the pastor gets back up and says, I know God doesn't lie, so I know you're here. Um, so if you take a step of faith, and come up here, the Lord's going to do what no man can do. And so she went up, and he took me in his arms and said, God, you said you're going to do this, so be healed in the name of Jesus. And I started moving my toes the next day, and from then on. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and so from then on, I just started getting stronger and walked a few years later. But what I, I like telling that story because what I – hold on to for and have held on to for the remainder of my life has been um, my mom's prayer of no matter what makes she serve you. And so I came to CPK Ferndale after being in YWAM, which is a missions organization for five years. And through that, I've lived in different countries, different areas of um, the U.S. and have had a variety of roles. And in everything, like my heart has been, um, God, I just want to do this to serve you and be a part of what you're already doing. So I'm really excited to be here at CTK Ferndale and to be using my gifts and administration to be a part of what God is doing here. I know he's doing big things and I just want to serve him with everything that I am. So thank you guys for having me. Yeah, yeah so um, Natalia is a gift to our church. And um, when I first saw her resume, I'm like, okay, she is way overqualified for we're looking for she uh yeah very gifted lots of passions and um so i'm excited to see how god's going to work through her life but i i love it if you could actually just take a couple minutes and i just would love to pray for her and if you could join me in, in praying for natalia god thank you so much that you've god you have just worked wonders in natalia's life and father i thank you for her story and jesus for how you you've healed her god thank you jesus for how you've You've, you've raised her up, and you've called her, God, into service, and God, she has said yes, and, and God, she's already had such an impact, God, um, not just in our nation, but God, around the world through YWAM, and Father, I thank you, Lord, that, um, God, you've brought her here to CTK Ferndale to be a part of this church family and to be a part of the mission that we're on, to, God, to be a community that's taken your name um, outside of these four walls. And Father, I just want to pray that, Lord, as she steps more and more into this role, and God, as she gets to know different people in this church, and God, how things work and, and operate, I just want to pray that you would empower her, God, be, be right there beside her, and just, I pray that she would just have a, a tremendous sense of faith, Jesus, knowing that you're, you're, you're going to be with her, and that, God, you're going you're gonna to help her. 
And so, Father, we're still thankful for her. God, I pray that she just would feel right at home here in this church and that, um, God, we as a church family would just, God, throw the, the welcome mat right out and just make her feel right at home. So, Father, thank you so much for her. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Do you want to arm back here, Steve? Awesome. So one thing you can be praying for Natalia is uh, she needs to see the light as far as football. She's a Patriots fan. So if you could just pray that she would, she'd see the light, you know. Um, we're believing that God's going to yeah, come through. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm uh, really stoked about this, this series that we're doing this summer called Flawed. And uh, I believe that God is going to really work through this in each one of our lives to just speak to us and empower us and to bring us to a new place of faith and trust in Him. And, uh, you know, one of the, th- the things um, growing up, one of the, one of the traditions as a, as a kid uh, or that kids have on the playground, schoolyard, whatever, one of the traditions that they have that I've never really been a big fan of is the whole line them up and pick a team. You know, it's, I, I think that whole line them up and pick a team, get two captains, is, is responsible for more people's self-esteem being ruined in our nation than anything else kind of thing. Yeah, you line everybody up, and you're, you're standing there, and you're hoping and you're praying that you're picked somewhere in the, the top half and that you're not the last kid being picked. Well, several weeks ago, Becky and I, we had our small group and their families over to our house, had a big, big, bar- big barbecue. We thought it'd be fun just to hang out enjoy some sunshine, and just play together, laugh together, all that kind of stuff. Well, after dinner, some of us went across the, uh, the street to the, the little grassy field across from our house and started kicking a soccer ball around. Well, pretty soon, we thought, okay, let's, let's uh, get a little more serious here and, and get some, 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 uh, some shoes and stuff to use as goalposts to get some nets. Well, that kind of grew a little bit, and before we knew it, there was enough kids there and, and adults to, to form some teams, and so we thought, okay, let's, let's, uh, let's have a real game going on here. Great idea, except for one thing, we'd have to pick teams, and before I had a chance to say, hey, let's just assign numbers to everybody, you know what we do to kind of like make sure everybody doesn't have their self-esteem get trashed, somebody had already picked captains. There was two captains, and they were like ready to go picking the teams. Now, I have to admit, my first thought was, okay, I'm one of two adults on this field, I have a pretty good chance of going in the top of the draft here. And, uh, um, but then I looked around and I, I started to, I, I quickly assessed which kid was going to have their self-esteem destroyed for the rest of their lives, just to make sure it wasn't one of my kids. And, uh, <laughs> and as I did this, I thought, okay, wait a second, I'm terrible at soccer. And there's a lot of people here who are way better at soccer than I am, and, and I'm getting old, I'm over the hill, I can't run as fast, and I thought, okay, any of these captains that was paying any attention during the, the little pregame thing probably picked up that I was getting a little bit winded just in the little warm-up we were doing. So there's a chance I just might go last, and I'm feeling like a second grader all over again. I'm thinking, um, I just, I'm going to be the last one standing there, and the captain will look at me and be like, you're the only one left. Okay, yeah, I'll pick that guy, whatever. And, and so the moment came, though, and the captains began to call out the names. And it was like the NBA draft all over again. And here I am, the first draft pick comes, and it's not me. Second pick, it's not me. Third pick, it's not me. And as I'm looking at the remaining picks, I was pretty sure I was going last. There was no way, because there was way better soccer players left. But then to my shock, the next pick was me. One of the captains had picked up my speed and my agility and my 
athletic prowess and the pregame stuff that was going on. Actually, it didn't work like that. My, my daughter, my 10-year-old daughter, Leah, was one of the captains. And so she saw her dad, and she's like, I can't have a dad feeling bad, so I'll pick that. Sure, whatever. But I don't, I don't know about, about you, but when it comes to being chosen by God, I often feel like a kid that's standing in line waiting to be picked and thinking in my head that there's no way he's going to pick me. Surely he's got somebody else. There are others who are a lot more qualified than I am. There's more, more talented people, more skilled people. There's better leaders, better parents. There's people who have more passion. There's people who have more wisdom. There's people that are better organized, better communicators. Surely God's not going to pick me. And you might be sitting here this morning thinking, yeah, whatever, Rich. You're, you, you've been a leader with CTK for eight years. Um, yeah, sure. That's not you. Surely you don't have that kind of stuff going on in the back of your head. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that I do. In fact, just this last week on Wednesday night, I laid in bed for four hours, got only three hours of sleep because I was bombarded with these kind of thoughts, self-doubt, questioning, just anxiety over the whole entire thing. True story. And, And we all have this struggle from time to time. Maybe for you, your struggle might be different than mine. Maybe you you just feel like you can't be the mom that your kids need you to be. Maybe you you see all those moms on Facebook who who, who cook perfect meals every single night, followed by a half hour of just perfect devotions, and then then an hour of perfect snuggle time as as they walk out the door and kiss their kids goodnight, and everybody just snuggles off in the bed with no argument and fuss. And you're going, I can't be that. Or maybe you're the dad who just feels like you can't be the dad or the spouse who feels like you can't be the spouse that you need to be. You just can't measure up. Maybe you're involved in ministry. You, just, you, you feel like you can't be the small, leader, small group leader that you need to be. You're going to other people are way more qualified. Or maybe you teach in kids' ministry. Maybe you're discipling some students. But the thing is you feel like you're less than ideal for the job. Or, or maybe these feelings of inadequacy that you, 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 you face and you struggle with are not, have nothing to do with a task or a job. Maybe they have more to do with this deep call inside of you to go all in with Jesus and, and to take some steps towards maybe engaging in deeper community. And, and as, that, as that challenge comes, you hesitate because you feel like you don't have what it takes. You've made too many mistakes and you just have too many flaws. And if you've ever been in this boat before where you're just... You're kind of feeling too messed up. You're feeling too flawed um, to do anything worthwhile or to be of any use in God's kingdom. If you've ever been in that boat, God put Hebrews 11 in the Bible for you and for me. If you grew up in the church, you, you know all about Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, it's known as the, the hall of, of faith. It's the chapter in the Bible that is packed full of names that we've We've, most of us have heard about, if you've been around the church, great heroes of the faith, people like Noah and Abraham and Rahab and, and all these, these, these great people, spiritual giants. When I was a kid, my, my parents gave me these picture Bibles so that I would read my Bible. And whenever I came across some of these character, characters in my picture Bible, they were always the, the men and women that were just ripped. They had stacks of muscles. And the guys all had like this perfect long, like Guns N' Roses hair coming down and they were just like 
these amazing people who always heard God crystal clear, who never made a mistake. But, but here's the thing. When you really dig into the characters of Hebrews 11, you find out pretty quickly that they have a couple things in common. One, yes, they had faith, but two, they were all very flawed, very flawed. Big mistakes. Um, some of them were impatient. Others were self-centered. Some of them had huge problems with lust. Others had huge problems with anger. And yet God decides to pick them for his team anyways. And he decides to make himself known to them and to work through them to accomplish his purpose in his plan. And there's a, there's a bunch of characters in the, the book of uh, Hebrews 11. But there's really two that kind of stand out as, as just like real head scratchers. Like, okay, why God these two? Um, one of them is Samson. They're, these two guys, their mistakes were like epic mistakes. And the other guy is, is a guy named Jephthah. And this morning we're going to actually dig into Jephthah. We're going to look at Samson here a few weeks down the road. But Jephthah's a guy, he doesn't, he's not very well known. You don't hear him talked about, a lot about in church. He's kind of hidden off in, in, in the Bible. But just to give you a little bit of context to the story of Jephthah, Jephthah shows up on the scene when the nation of Israel is at a point where there's just this nationwide spiritual apathy. Everybody, they knew about God, but they weren't following God. Instead, they were following the ways of the world. They were making the world's priorities their priorities, the world's idols their idols. And as it always end up, ends up happening, the things of the world didn't bring them the freedom, the joy, and the life that they were hoping they would. Instead, the things of the world were bringing them bondage and oppression. The Bible says it like this. It says for this, this country, it says, God sold them into the hands of the Philistines and the Ammonites, who that year shattered and crushed them. For 18 years, they oppressed all the Israelites. Now, we could just camp there all morning because this is stuff that preaches really good. The things of this world might seem life-giving for a moment, they might seem life-giving for a season, but in the end, they rob you of the life that you're hoping to find because instead of, of, of you um, getting closer to Jesus, they actually end up leading you away from Jesus. And thousands of years later, we are still learning this lesson all the time. But God sees this happening. He sees the nation of Israel's disobedience. And so he brings correction. He works through the Philistines and the Ammonites, these two nations, to bring the nation of Israel back to himself, back to the one who really is life. And they repent in a way. I mean, it's not like total repentance. They, the Bible says the Israelites cry out to God and, and they beg for him to save them, to which God says no. And the reason God says no is because he sees their hearts, and he knows that the Israelites actually don't really want to change their ways and come back to God. What they actually are asking God is, God, could you rescue us, please, from the bad guys so that we can continue on living life the way that we want it to be lived? What they're doing here is that they're using God. They're using God for, for their, own, their own thing. And we do this all the time, too, don't we? We want God to, to come along and bless our life, the, the living life our way. We, we want God to come along and just slap his blessing on it. Maybe we think things like, God, give me joy. Just don't take away, ask me to give up my sin. God, I pray that you would take this financial mess and sort out this financial mess. Just don't ask me to have a lifestyle of generosity and to be a person who's a giver. 
God be the center of my home. Just don't ask me to disciple my kids or to take initiative in my marriage and to begin praying with my wife or my husband. God will not be used. He Just like you and I, we don't want to be used. God doesn't want to be used either. Instead, he wants to be loved. He wants to be followed. He wants to be fully surrendered to because he knows that that's the place where his blessing freely flows. And so eventually, though, the Israelites in this story, they do repent. And the Bible says it like this. It says, then they got rid of their foreign gods among them and served the Lord. And he could bear Israel's misery no longer. So just to quickly recap what's going on here. Israel has walked away from God. They've created this, this big mess over here. They've returned to God now and are serving him again. However, they're still suffering some of the consequences of their disobedience. They're still um, being oppressed by these foreign nations. And so now what they need and what, what more importantly, God needs is a leader who's going to come up, who's going to step up, and who's going to lead the nation of Israel to victory and to freedom. That's the need right now. And, and catch what's going on here. So this is a pivotal moment for the nation of Israel. They need a leader God is on the lookout. He wants to rescue his people. He sees that they've changed. He needs someone that he can work through. Now imagine for a second that you're God in this situation. You need somebody who's going to step up and lead. What kind of person is it that, that, that you're looking for? This is a big job. I mean, we're talking an entire nation coming back to God. And, and if it's most of us, I think we're thinking, okay, we need to find somebody who has an impeccable record of loving and serving the nation of Israel. We need to find somebody who has this great track record of just like staying fully, 100% committed to Jesus, even though everybody else has turned away, they didn't turn away. We need somebody who's got like a good, strong set of values and character and on and on the list goes. Somebody who's got the three C's. They've got character, competence, chemistry. That's, that's the kind of person that we need to have to be the leader of the nation of Israel and to take them to victory in this situation. Well, that's not exactly how God works. Instead, God goes after some dude named Jephthah. And Jephthah is introduced in the, the biblical narrative with, with this line. It says this, Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a mighty warrior. Now you're thinking, okay, this guy, well, no wonder he gets chosen because he's a mighty warrior. I and mean, they're going to battle. They need someone that's strong, someone that's bold and all that kind of stuff. So, of course, this guy sounds like, sounds like the right guy for the job. But then let's keep reading. It says, his father was Gilead and his mother was a prostitute. So apparently, Jephthah's dad back in the day, Jephthah's dad was actually a leader in Israel at one time. His dad back in the day decided to have um, an affair on his wife and slept with a prostitute. The prostitute gets pregnant with Jephthah. Now, maybe you're going, okay, maybe, maybe Jephthah's not the best guy for the job. It sounds like maybe there's some, some, some family dysfunction. What if he has some issues because of all that? And then the Bible goes on to say this. It says, Gilead's wife also bore him sons, and when they were grown up, they drove Jephthah away um, saying, you're not going to get any inheritance in our family because you are the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers. So Jephthah's brothers, or his dad has, has died. His biological mom is nowhere to be found. His, his own family, the only family that he has, says, um, we want all dad's money for ourselves. And besides, you're, you're, you're an illegitimate brother. You're, the, you're the, the son of that other woman. 
So take a hike. And one of the Bible commentators that I was reading this week said this about Jephthah's situation. He said this, as the rejected son of a prostitute, Jephthah was a man without physical or social home and without a future. And as a result of all this, it actually turns up that Jephthah does have some issues. He's got some things about him, that, that some, some flaws and shortcomings. And, and the Bible goes on to say this. It says, Jephthah settled in the land of Tob, where a gang of scoundrels gathered around him and followed him. What do you think of when you think of scoundrels? I think of scallywags. I think of, uh, I think Pirates of the Caribbean. This guy sounds like, like Captain Jack Sparrow, who's got all these scoundrels gathering around him. Another translation of the Bible calls these guys worthless rebels who all become his, his close companions and his, his, his followers. He does not sound like the ideal candidate to come along and lead God's people. Most of us at this point, we go, okay, we're going to take him off the short list and we're going to grab that resume and we're going to toss it over here in the recycle bin. Um, he's too risky, risky. He has too many issues. He attracts the wrong crowd. What kind of a leader attracts scoundrels and rebels? Birds of a feather flock together. This guy's got some bad birds surrounding him. Nevertheless, catch this. Nevertheless, as God is looking for someone to lead Israel to victory and freedom, God looks down on Jephthah and says, he's my guy. Should we grab that together? That phone call? No? Okay. He sees Jephthah and he goes, that's my guy. And, and for some reason, we have this, this idea that God can't work through us if our past is too messy. If, if we have issues, if we don't fit the mold, if we're outsiders, God can't work through us. But God doesn't seem to care about any of that stuff when he's looking for people to follow him or when he's looking for people to work through. The crazy thing about Jephthah is that all along God knows how Jephthah is going to be conceived when his dad sleeps with a prostitute. God knows that she's going to get pregnant. He knows that his brothers are going to hate him. He knows that his brothers are going to shame him. They're going to bully him. He knows that they're going to mock him, that they're going to eventually kick him out of the house. God knows Jephthah is going to be a man who attracts all the wrong people, and yet God says, I pick this guy. I'm going to work through him, I'm going to fill him with my spirit, and, I'm going to, and he's going to know me, and I'm going, to, I'm going to do some awesome things through this guy's life. You see, God does not get hung up on people's past the way that we sometimes do. God doesn't get hung up on people's past. He sees a kid from a dysfunctional home and says, I choose him. He sees a guy like the Apostle Paul who's been murdering Christians and God says, I choose him. He sees someone who has a past full of addiction. And, and God says, I choose you. Someone who's been through one, two, three marriages. God says, I choose you. Someone who's full of insecurity, self-doubt, and anxiety. And God says, I choose you. Don't limit what God can do in your life or what God can do through your life based on your past. That would be a good spot to say amen. amen. Amen? Don't limit what God can do in your life or what God can do through you based on your past. Now, I don't think that anybody here is going, yeah, God can't use broken people. 
I mean, we're, we're CTK, right? Like, that's just kind of in our DNA. God takes its forgiveness for the past, hope for the future. We get that God takes broken people, and he works through broken people. But I think for a lot of us, we have the thinking that as long as it's somebody else, as long as it's, he, he can't do that with me, but, yeah, he can do that with somebody else, but just not me. So what happens is you're, you're invited to serve in ministry, and maybe you're invited to serve in and you hesitate because of your past. Or God gives you that, that gentle nudge, and he says, hey, I want you to speak into this person's life. I want you to encourage this person. They're going through something, and you don't because of your past. Or God is inviting you to take some steps of faith, go where you've never been before, and you stall because of your past. And, and we think that, it, it, yeah, anybody else, but, but not, not me. Your past might be stopping you from moving into the things of God, but it sure is not stopping God. It's not stopping God. For someone else in the room, maybe it's, it's, it's not the flaws and shortcomings of the past that keeps you from saying yes. It's all the flaws and shortcomings of the present. You keep thinking, I, I, I'm, I'm always falling back in the same sin patterns. I can't ever seem to get ahead. I'm not organized enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't pray or read my Bible enough. And on and on and on and on the list goes. And whether it's the past or the present that stops us, the line of thinking can, can be summed up like this. I'm too flawed. I'm standing here in this lineup, and I see hundreds of other people that God would rather be choosing than me. I'm too flawed. And your flaws and shortcomings don't stop God from working in and through you. The only thing that hinders God from working in and through your life is this. A lack of faith. A lack of faith. Going back to Jephthah, um, we see a man who's flawed. He's the guy at the pack. Captains are picking team. He's, teams. He's not going in the first round of the draft. He's not even going in the second or third. He is somewhere near the end. And in the Bible, it tells us about how the elders of Israel, they're responsible to come along and recruit someone to lead Israel and, and to appoint this person to be their leader. And uh, as the elders are discussing who this is going to be, uh, I'm sure they're kind of drawing some blanks, but eventually somebody says, what about Jephthah? And I just imagine that the rest of the elders of Israel are like blank stares going, um, are you kidding me? Jephthah, this, this guy that hangs out with this pack of losers, uh, this guy that has this, this kind of flawed past, you, this guy lead Israel, you're joking, right? But eventually they decide to track him down and they ask him and he, and, and I'm sure when they track him down, he's probably off in some shady bar, shooting pool, hustling some guy's money. But they find this guy, and they ask him to, to, to lead. And, and this is how Jephthah responds. The Bible says, Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and commander over them. And he repeated all his words before the Lord in Mizpah. And then, next thing we know, it says that the Spirit of the Lord came on Jephthah. He crossed Gilead and Manasseh, passed through Mizpah of Gilead, and from there he advanced against the Ammonites, and the Lord gave them into his hands. Jephthah says yes to the job God's asking him to do, and God's spirit comes on him, God empowers him, and then God brings this incredible victory to his people. He had this faith. Now, if you read through Hebrews 11... Most of the characters in Hebrews 11, the Bible actually tells us, here's exactly how this person demonstrated faith. So Noah, 
demonstrated faith in that he built an ark when there's no water. That's faith. Abraham demonstrates faith because he goes to this land that God's going to show him. He doesn't even really know where he's going, but God says, go. And so Abraham goes, okay, I'm going to go. He just goes. That's, that's faith. But Jephthah is different. Jephthah is actually, in Hebrews 11, he's lumped in with about seven or eight other people. The Bible basically says we don't have time to talk about all these guys, but, but these people had faith. Jephthah is, is a part of that, that group. So the Bible never specifically says, here's, here's what Jephthah did that shows he, that he has faith. But one thing that we do know is that he was a bold guy who was willing to take a risk. You see, he didn't know that the, the, the people of Israel would follow him in the battle. He didn't even know that, that they would win the battle. In fact, if anything, he, he probably thought they were going to lose because these nations had been kicking Israel's butts for years. He didn't know if, if, if the, uh, the, the people of Israel were going to reject him all over again like he'd been rejected before. He didn't know if God was going to work through him. He, he didn't know any of that. There was a ton of stuff that he didn't know, and yet he took the risk. He took the step of faith, and he said, yes, I'll lead them into battle anyway. That's faith. And Hebrews 11 describes the kind of faith that Jephthah had. It says this. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. That sets up the whole chapter. Everybody mentioned in Hebrews 11, that's the kind of faith that they have. It's taking your eyes off of the obstacles that you can see, even when those obstacles are your own flaws and shortcomings. It's taking your eyes off of those and choosing instead to focus your eyes on God, the God that you can't see. To trust that if he's leading you this direction, that he's, if he's asking you to do this, that it doesn't matter the flaws and shortcomings, you're going to say yes anyways because he's a really big God. And when you do this, God begins to work in your life in some powerful, powerful ways. The line that you're going to be hearing a lot in this series is this. God works through flawed people who are willing to walk with him by faith. God works through flawed people who are willing to walk with him by faith. And God loves to do this. He loves to do this. Being men and women of faith is is not about having lived flawless lives in the past. It's not even about living flawless lives in the present. It's not even about living flawless lives in the future. So this guy, Jephthah, he's going to go on to make some really, really, really big mistakes that we don't have time to get into this morning. But they're big mistakes that cost his family dearly. And as if that wasn't enough, he goes and sparks a, a civil war in his nation I mean, this guy makes some pretty big blunders. God knows this when he calls Jephthah, but he calls him anyway. It's astounding. Being men and women of faith isn't about being flawless. It's about following Jesus wherever he leads and then watching as he works in your life in a way that only he can. Watching him not only work in your life, but watching him work through your life to, to, to be somebody that points people to Jesus. And our job is not to figure out God. Our job is to simply say yes. Sometimes when he asks us to do something, we, 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 we try to figure out, okay, God, why would you ask me? I mean, look, I'm standing here and there's all these other people in this lineup. This person's, they're all way more qualified than me. God, why, why me? Our job is not to figure out God. Our, God. our job is to simply say yes. And my question for all of us in this room this morning is this. Where is God asking you 
to take a step of faith. Where's God asking you? And what I want to do just for a couple moments here is, is, is let you ask that question of God. And let's just take a couple moments here to listen. God, where, where is God asking me to take a step of faith? God, where are you asking us to take a step of faith? God, where are you asking us to take our eyes off of the obstacles, off of our flaws and shortcomings, and put our eyes on you as you ask us to take a step of faith? And Heavenly Father, this morning I pray that, that Lord, you would help us to hear you God, when you speak to us and ask us to take a step of faith, whatever that might look like, God, whether that step of faith is is doing a job that you're asking us to do, God, whether that's a a big job, God, or just something as simple as you coming along and saying, hey, I want you to start to love your next door neighbor better. I want you to start to get to know who they are. God, whatever that Thing might be that you're asking us to do, big or small, God, I pray that we would be people that are quick to say yes, that we wouldn't be people that, that get all tied up in knots trying to figure out, okay, God, why would you choose me? God, I'm not good enough. I can't do this or that. God, there's just too many flaws, too many weaknesses, too many shortcomings. God, I pray that we wouldn't get blinded by our obstacles, but God, I pray that we would just keep our eyes locked on you. And Lord, I know this morning that, God, there are some here who you have been calling to put their faith and trust in you. And God, they just keep seeing their past. God, they keep seeing all this stuff that they've done or all this, just, just their background maybe. And they're just going, I, 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 can't, I can't follow this God who's calling me to follow him. There's just too much. God, I pray that that person this morning would take their eyes off of that and put their eyes on the King of Kings, the one who is the Lord and Savior, a God of great, great grace and love and forgiveness. And God, I also want to pray for us as a church that Jesus, you would help us to be a church that is a church of of great faith. God, I I pray that, Lord, we would never be a, a, a church that settles, God, for a faith God, that is, that is comfortable and cozy and easy. God, of faith that we can live out in our own strength. God, I pray that we would be a church that, that, is, that is, is listening to you and that, that God desires to live a life that is a life marked by, by, by reckless faith. A faith that is, that is just, God, so dependent on you. God, that we're, we're living in such a way that, that, Jesus, we can't do what you're asking us to do, live the life that you're asking us to live in our own strength. God, we have to depend on you. And God, I pray that, that, Lord, as we do that, that, Jesus, you would work through this church, God, to make your name, your, your, your name famous, God, here in Ferndale. God, I pray that your name would be lifted so high, God, as people look at these jars of clay and they see your all-surpassing power, God, at work in our lives. And God, I pray all of this in your good, awesome, holy, righteous name. And everybody said, amen, amen. So this last week, I shared with you this, this um, it's been a crazy week for me. 
It has been a crazy week. It, this happened on Wednesday night where I just was like full of all this, this stuff. And then it happened again on Friday night. And I just felt like God said, Kate, Rich, um, you need to get some people around you who are going to be just praying for you. I've got a group of guys, I call them my quad, that I meet with every Thursday. It's a, this, this discipleship group. And um, I just sent a quick text. Hey, guys, here's what's going on to me. Would you please pray? And I, I knew, I, I've had this happen enough. I, it's, a, it's spiritual attack. And, um, and uh, it was so, one of the guys sent this, this text back, said, Rich, read Exodus 3 and 4. And then he said, um, he said, this guy's one of the pastors in, a CTK pastor. He said, Rich, Jesus chose, and then all, in all caps, you. And, you know, sometimes, and this is why I, I tell you this this morning, sometimes it's, it is really, really hard to keep your eyes focused on Jesus when the obstacles are just so big and the mountains are so big. Maybe that's your own inadequacy and shortcoming, but it's just so big, it's just bombarding you. And what you need in that moment is not to try harder. What you need in that moment is to have people around you who are going to support you, who are going to pray for you, who are going to help you keep your eyes focused on Jesus. And I'm telling you, I would not be standing here right now. If it, I mean, I was a mess this week. But I had some people in my life who, who helped me see Jesus in everything going on. And I just want to encourage you, if you're here this morning, you're in that boat, get people in your life. Maybe it's a small group community that you need to dive into. You need to get a connection card and you need to fill it out and go, I want to be in a small group. Maybe it's, it's uh, diving into one of our ministries. Like uh, if you're a student, maybe it's diving into our student ministry or maybe women's ministry or salary recovery. I don't know. But get people around you who can help you see Jesus, who can help you be a person that lives a life full of faith because you just, you see Jesus and you have your eyes locked in, locked in on him. Amen.